Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Check it out if you're a commercial real estate agent. Well, today we're going to talk about 2020, 2021. What, what should we expect moving forward in the economy and in commercial real estate? Please welcome my guest, Barbara Denham, and she's a senior economist with Moody's Analytics Reese, and she's joining us on the phone. Barbara, good to have you on the show again. Thank you, Michael. Well, uh, Barbara, when you look at the economic indicators that you follow and you, and you think about commercial real estate moving forward, are there ones that kind of jump out to you that uh, could impact the future more than others? Yeah, I'm particularly more uh, inclined to look at employment numbers when it comes to commercial real estate mainly because uh, you see the direct correlation, uh, correlation between jobs added and, say, apartment demand. Um, I look at office employment to gauge office occupancy growth and rents and, of course, retail. So I'm much more inclined to look at employment growth as my preferred indicator for the commercial real estate industry. And so what do you expect moving forward with jobs? Right. Still, my outlook for the employment growth is still positive. It may not be quite as strong in 2020 as it was in 2019. Um, 2019 looks to be slightly lower than 2018, and I think 2020 will be slightly lower than 2019. So that kind of jumps us right into to office. You know, what do you expect moving forward into office into 2020? Well, 2019 was an okay year. Uh, I the office occupancy numbers were positive in most metros. Um, some markets did a little bit better than others, uh, but um, it wasn't like stellar uh, knock-your-socks-off type of growth that we used to see in previous expansions. So it was positive growth, um, but the overall office occupancy in uh, the U.S. for the top 82 metros is only 16.8% which is really what it was last year. So we're seeing occupancy growth in line with supply growth, meaning everything we're filling, uh, I mean, everything we're building, we're filling, but, um, you know, you're just not seeing major acceleration anywhere. And in some places, you're obviously seeing deceleration. Yeah, and that's good to hear that, you know, we haven't overbuilt office like we have in a lot of cycles in the past. Correct. What about industrial? What do you think they're moving forward? Well, industrial used to be just the you know most valuable player in the commercial real estate market, and it really hasn't been for two years. It's definitely suffered at the hands of the trade war, uh, as a lot of um, warehouse lessors are really hesitant, and you know because we still don't know what's going to make how this uh, trade war is going to evolve or get settled. Um, so you see a lot of hesitancy in say, leasing space beyond what you need. That said, the industrial sector is still very, very strong. It's just not as strong as it had been, say, two or three years ago. Um, and they were building so much new warehouse and flex space in 2016 and 2017, and they were filling it beyond what they were building. So you're seeing really strong occupancy growth uh, ahead of supply growth. And now things are moving a little bit in the opposite direction. We're still building a lot of industrial space, and we're filling it not quite at the same rate. So you see slight upticks in vacancy rates in a lot of markets. Yeah, that's interesting. I uh, haven't seen 
uh, so much spec space in the industrial sector in my entire career of 35 years than we've seen uh, you know, in the last several years. And uh, it's good to see that it's getting absorbed. What about retail? Everybody's afraid of retail, Barbara. Yeah, I, I mean, the news is never good in retail. It just seems like every quarter another new retailer announces their bankruptcy plans or closing stores. Um, it really hasn't changed much in two years, and yet the overall retail real estate statistics have not not gone through the floor. I mean, there we have about a 10.2% vacancy rate, and that's really in line with past years. The good news is developers are not building new retail space, um, and a lot of space is going offline. So a lot of those closed JCPenney's or Kmart's, they're either getting converted into self-storage or getting uh, redeveloped as a new multifamily or theaters or office or industrial, and um, we're just not building new space. And yet the space that we still have, you know, we're seeing rising vacancies in a lot of markets, but yet we see a lot of new entrants to the retail space, including a lot of gyms, a lot of entertainment venues, a lot of trampoline parks, a lot of, um, like I said, a lot of fitness concepts filling in a lot of the old retail space. Service providers like, you know, pet care services and, you know, various uh, uh, new, <laughs> new, sometimes funny uses for retail space. But um, the retail sector generally is not as bad as the media would lead you to believe. That said, I would be very cautious going forward about building or investing in retail. Yeah, retail is uh, usually good good real estate, good property, so it uh, does make it uh, an interesting uh, play to, to be in that mm -hmm. space. What about multifamily, Barbara? Is this still going to just sing moving forward? Yeah, multifamily is definitely the best market to be in, um, and that shouldn't change at all in 2020. Uh, we look to be building just uh, slightly below what we're, we will have built in 2019. So the new supply figures for 2019 I have right in front of me, it looks to be about 265,000 units added this year, which is just ahead of what we added in 2018. Next year, we're looking at about 230 units, I'm sorry, 230,000 units, which is uh, slightly less new supply, and our occupancy growth might decelerate as well. So we're going to see a little bit rising uh, vacancy rates in the apartment market, and yet rent growth should still be healthy. These averages are a net of the good markets and the weaker markets in the U.S. And some of the better markets, um, like those on the West Coast and New York and Boston and Washington, D.C., Raleigh, Durham, Miami, they, they'll still see um, positive uh, um probably uh, higher rent growth than usual. Um, and we don't really see negative net absorption anywhere. We just see some markets where construction is outpacing new demand or occupancy growth, and that's where we're seeing flatter rent growth. But yet we still see positive absorption and um, very few markets where we're actually seeing rent declines. Okay. We talk with Barbara Denham, Senior Economist with Moody's Analytics Reese, and we're talking about some of the various sectors. So, Barbara, let's talk about a couple of the specialty property types. Uh, what about self-storage? I know you guys uh, track that well now. 
Yeah, the self-storage space is another market where I would be very cautious about. Um, many, many places are overbuilt in self-storage. It was definitely this sector to jump into about five years ago. Rent growth was 5%. Of course, the barriers to entry in self-storage were very low. Uh, you could throw up a building in less than a year and throw in lockers with very little overhead, and you could be in business. You see a lot of uh, converted old industrial buildings in a lot of markets that are now self-storage. But a lot of people had very similar ideas about three and four years ago. So the market is very oversaturated in many, many parts of the country. So we are seeing very little, if any, rent growth anywhere. And we're seeing rent declines in most parts of the country, again, because supply has really exceeded demand. Interesting. What about student housing, Barb? Student housing is probably one of the safest markets to be in. Certainly the demand uh, for going to college is always rising, and a lot of schools are outsourcing their management of student housing to the private sector. So um, a lot of investors have either invested in this market or developed new products. And of course, the students always like the new product over the old product. So uh, the newer that are getting occupied faster than the older product. So you either have to um, upgrade your properties or increase your amenities. And like I said, if, if there's space, universities will definitely expand their student body to fill it. So I think this is one of the safer markets to be in. We see rent growth, uh, positive rent growth in a lot of parts of the country. Sounds like we're spoiling our children, but we I guess... We are. <laughs> <laughs> I am one of them. Uh, I may have been guilty of it myself. Um, what about senior housing? It seems like the baby boomers are starting mm -hmm. to get uh, up in age uh, to, uh -huh. to, to use those properties. Yeah, I mean, you have to really look careful with the seniors housing and the age, the demographics. There, There is the huge jump between those born in the 1930s and those born in the latter half of the 1940s and 50s. So 10, 15 years from now, all those people uh, will be in their 75 plus and the demand will be huge. But right now, we're just seeing it trickle up. And a lot of people don't really want to move into seniors housing unless they really have to. So we haven't seen um, the growth in occupancy. We've seen a lot of demand, uh, supply growth, so we're still building a lot of seniors' housing, which is good overall, but it may not be good for those operators because um, they may have some vacancy that they had not planned. They, they really wanted to fill this unit. So it's not as great as many would believe, but uh, 10, 15 years from now, we'll see a lot of uh, demand for seniors' housing. It's interesting, the people who maybe think that senior housing, they don't want to go into senior housing, they, they might want to get out there and look at them. There's some really beautiful projects, and uh, I've certainly seen uh, people that uh, went into some senior housing that became healthier uh, and happier yep. being in those mm -hmm. communities. Absolutely. And Barbara, yeah. as, as an economist, and, and you look forward to, to the future, especially related to commercial real estate, is there anything going on politically that you kind of t are watching closely? Well, I think everyone's watching the political climate mm -hmm. and what might happen. Um, let's just start with the trade war. Uh, if you know, that has really weighed heavily on the economy, like I said, for two years. If that were to settle and we'd have uh, fewer tariffs than we have right now, that would be very, very good for the economy. Uh, if it gets worse and we have like a permanent kind of tariff war, then that obviously will not be good for the overall economy. Uh, as far as GDP is concerned, for example, we're see still seeing pretty strong consumer growth, but we're not seeing the investment market. Uh, and that's a big part of GDP. It's not the biggest. Obviously, consumers are the biggest. But if businesses aren't investing, then that will affect the overall growth rate in the GDP. And of course, if they're not investing, that means 
the outlook for future job growth isn't as strong. And um, so that could really hurt the overall economy as well. So I think everyone's really focused on the trade war and the international uh, global economy to um, gauge what's looking ahead. And everything still looks positive, but very uncertain. So um, it will weigh on kind of a consumer expectations going forward, especially in early 2020. And what do you think interest rates will do moving forward into 2020 with everything that you've actually mentioned today going on? I think right now things have stabilized remarkably. I think the Fed has all but expressed that they probably will not be lowering the Fed funds rate any lower unless things look really, really bad. So that kind of sends a message that interest rates should kind of hold where they are. I just read a report today that mortgage rates are really expected to hold steady for the foreseeable future, at least a year. So that's helpful when people realize that you know, one one indicator like that, which is interest rates, will be stable for the foreseeable future. So that should help overall planning and, and economic outlook. And what's your view on the on the cycle? Well, it's already the longest in uh, really in modern history, and it will continue to be the longest <laughs> as long as we keep going where we are. Um, but I, I've always said in this cycle that the reason why it has been so long is because. It's been growing at such a slow rate that it hasn't really spurred any kind of overzealous, you know, speculation or overdevelopment over investment. So we haven't seen the asset bubbles like we have in the past. Um, we don't see, you know, the housing bubble uh, certainly caused the last boom, but then went bust. And then prior to that, it was the dot-com boom. And prior to that, it was the stock market boom. So every decade, we've seen some kind of asset bubble that started with just a really strong growth period. And we haven't had that strong growth period. And so we haven't had that kind of speculative mentality in the market. Uh, And so overall, it's been very healthy. And it's really, honestly, it's sustainable based on what we have right now in terms of low inflation, low interest rates, and uh, even low wage growth, and yet positive job growth. It's all kind of, it's, it's oddly at a strange equilibrium that we've never seen. But again, if we maintain this, we can keep going at this rate for a while. That sounds good. <laughs> I like yeah. the sound of that. Well, before you leave us, Barbara, what would you think about for opportunities, whether it's a, a sector or a geographic area or some sort of trend that we might want to think about taking advantage of in 2020? I would just do your, your uh, very good homework and, um, you know, look micro. Look at the micro markets as opposed to the macro markets. I think a lot of cities are doing fine, but certain neighborhoods are doing better than others. So uh, I still believe in the urban core. A lot of people really interested in living and working in the urban core. Look to um, kind of a transit-oriented development. People, I really think this trend of not needing a car on a daily basis will continue to be a very popular trend. So uh, to the extent that a new housing development or commercial development is close to a transit-oriented like a train stop or metro area is probably much better than, say, something that's remote and uh, only accessible by a car. Oh, well, those are great tips, uh, Barbara. Thank you for joining us, and thanks for your uh, insight. Thank you very much. If you'd like more information from Barbara and the good folks at uh, Moody's Analytics Reese, visit their website. It's Reese, R-E-I-S, dot com. Thank you for joining us. And uh, until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show.
America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com.